Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... here's the sad truth about the United States of America. I love this country. I still believe it's the best country on God's green earth. But we are raised here to be self-promoting, attention-seeking, only think of ourselves, brats and consumers. We are. We expect to be treated like a customer everywhere we go. We're expecting people to give us good service everywhere we go and and the apostle paul is saying you don't do that in the church you don't come to be served you are like jesus you don't come to be served but you come to serve when it comes to the word of god do you prefer the doctrine or teaching sections or the practical or how-to sections while most of us prefer one over the other neither jesus nor the apostles separate them but rather skillfully weave them together in other words The teaching of the grace of God, the work of Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit serves as the motivation for our service to God and to one another. The way a follower of Jesus lives should be an active response to the things that God has done for us. Some theologians refer to this as grace-motivated effort. To learn more about this, let's join Pastor Jim in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. In chapters 1 through 3, We looked at the wonders and treasures of the grace of God, uh, particularly in in the Ephesian context of the first century of calling both Jew and Gentiles, two groups who really couldn't stand each other, uh, to be one into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of heaven. That was followed by a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed that the Holy Spirit would strengthen us and, and also that we would grasp the depth of Christ's love for each one of us. And all of that was for uh, us as individuals, but also for us as a church. And we, we saw in chapter 3 that the church is the place where God's wisdom in Christ is preached to the cosmos, the, the, both the seen and the unseen world. So it's a heavy responsibility we have as the, as the church. Now, characteristically of much of the Apostle Paul's writing, he moves from what we might think of as the theological section. We'll we'll talk about maybe a little danger about being too wooden in that type of a division. But he typically lays out the theology in the first half, and now we're going to move into what do we do with these marvelous truths that we've learned in chapters 1 through 3? How do we live them out? Uh, That is, how Christians shall live if the church is going to truly reflect God's glory and the love of Christ to each other, but also to a world that does not know Christ. Sometimes people will say we are moving from the doctrinal section to the practical section of the letter, and I don't disagree with that. I think that's true, but I always think when when people want to divide things that neatly, we need to have a little bit of caution. The reason I say that is, 
doctrine and theology is not that popular these days. There's a lot of people that would just say, let's just skip one through three. Let's just get through four, five, and six. Teach us how to live, how to be happy, and, uh, and we'll get on with it. But when you read the writings of the Apostle Paul, he skillfully weaves doctrine and theology together with Christian living. He does not separate them uh, at all. In, in chapter 2, he used the word walk, and, and he will continue to use that word as we go further along in this letter here. And when we talk about the word walk, we often say it, it's the way we live. The idea is the way we walk through life, the way we walk with Jesus. And that is true, but, but it's important to also realize, and, and usually for a kind of economy's sake or to get through things quickly, we'll just say stuff like that. But, but theologically, the word walk expresses an, an active response of a follower of Jesus to the grace of God that comes upon us. You might even say it is, it is the requirement of a follower of Jesus to respond to the grace of God that has come upon us in the way we live our daily life. Now, it, it, is, it is quite significant that after all we have been through in the first three chapters, that the very first thing the, the apostle starts with as a need for a follower of Jesus and a need for the church, the very first thing we are to live out is love and unity in the church. You think of all the things that he could have talked about, but that's why I pray this is something that is very deep to our Heavenly Father's heart. He is very important to him. In other words, we are to live out in practice what we learned in chapters 1 through 3, what he prayed for at the end of chapter 3. We are to, if we're going to call ourselves Christians, we are to live out in practice what we believe. And what we believe is not our opinion, but it is what the apostles teach in the scriptures about Christ and about the gospel. Now, some people say it doesn't matter what we believe as long as we love. Now, you know that's gobbledygook, don't you? That's, a, that's what theologians call gobbledygook. <laughs> Other people say it doesn't matter how you live. You just need to believe. You know what the theological word for that is? That's gobbledygook. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, both, both of those positions are wrong because it matters what we believe and how we live it out. Now, there's lots of things we can believe. Uh, some people will emphasize mission and evangelism. Amen. Love it. Great. I think we should. Others will uh, emphasize discipleship. Again, amen. Great. I think that we should. Uh, studying the Word of God. That's, that's what we do to try and incorporate virtually everything of the Christian life that God gave us in his book so we, can, we study it and, and we, we want to pay careful attention to what God says. Great. Holiness. Another thing that's, uh, we'll talk about that in a little while. That's very, very important that people, some people are about holiness, and we should be about holiness. Community, that's very, very important. Very, very important. Friendships, etc. But the Lord starts with unity. That, that the unity of the church, the unity of, of the church worldwide, but the unity of a church, of a local church, says a lot to the people who will visit that church. So Ephesians 4, 1, in, in some ways, is, is a summary of the rest of the, of the book. 
I mean, he's going to tell us, really, he's going to just sort of intro, give us that, that, if you could summarize the next three chapters in one sentence, he's going to do it here, and, it, and it's also a challenge. He says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. Now, let's run through that again slowly. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Remember, he's in Rome. He's a prisoner of Caesar. He actually uh, wanted, to go, they wanted to go to Rome. But he, he says, he doesn't say I'm a prisoner of Caesar. We covered this already. He says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. The Lord has allowed me or he's put me here. We, we jokingly said that was the only way the Lord could slow him down so he could write some letters. So, because he's, he's running, this guy was running all over the place. I mean, he was a, we said in our Galatian studies, the guy was like a beast of a missionary. And, and so he says, I, I, as the, the prisoner of the Lord, he was their founding pastor. I beseech you. And so what is that beseech? That is a strong urging from God through the apostle to all of us and, and to the church that he's, the churches that he's writing to, to walk worthy. Now, please understand this. We walk worthy because of chapters 1 through 3. We are, we, walking worthy is a response Two chapters, one through three. We don't walk to earn God's love. We don't walk with him to earn God's love. We walk with God because we have God's love. Now that, that word is very, very interesting, that word worthy, because it actually, it actually means to walk with equal weight or to balance the scales. So he might be saying, listen, I just loaded you up on deep theological truths, and now we got to balance that out with the way we live. We can't, we can't be too much on one side or the other. We can't be the people who, who don't think theology is important, and we can't be the people who think that living is important, and we have, to, we have to balance those out. And so we want to walk worthy, balance it out, of the calling with which you, plural, it's talking to the people in the churches, were called. So, so you want to walk, the church wants to walk together in response to chapters 1 through 3. Now, one of the things I love about this guy is the Apostle Paul is the, no matter where he is, whether he's in jail or whether he's in church or whether he's on a ship and then the thing's about to crash, he, he desires to live out the gospel. And I think those of us who might be getting older, are any of you getting older? Yes, I love this denial. I think we do our very young people a disservice when we separate the sacred from the secular. We, we should not be doing that at all. Uh, all of life is sacred to the, to the, to the follower of Jesus, and, and they see it. Uh, we have a lot to learn, I think, from some of our younger brothers and sisters, as I see in in the 20-year-olds in our church, a, a, a deep desire to live out their faith in the marketplace. And I love that. And remember we said that's, that, that's really how the gospel spread in the first century. They didn't have all these elaborate church buildings and church programs and, and websites and podcasts and radio stations and all these different kind of things, uh, apps and stuff like that. What, what were they doing? They were just meeting people in the marketplace, meeting people in the workplace, 
and just telling them the story. Remember, we said Sunday they didn't have this Bible like we did at the beginning. They were just telling them the story of a miracle worker from Nazareth named Jesus who hundreds of people saw killed on a cross and hundreds of people saw him rise from the dead. That was the simple message. And that whoever, whoever would turn to God and put their trust in him would have their sins forgiven and they too would be raised from the dead to eternal life with God in heaven. And so it's not, it's not just a church thing. This is the walk worthy. Everywhere we go, we are the carriers of this message. We covered Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So God did it all. We didn't do it. Nothing we're going to brag about. You say, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. You're what? You are boasting. We don't, we're not to boast. And then verse 10, he says, For after we are, afterward, the order is important, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. As we move into chapter 4, what is he telling us? It's Ephesians 2.10 time. It's Ephesians 2.10 time. It's time to learn what this looks like as we live it out. So our lives are to be lived out in light of the gospel. If you're, if you're a Christian, if you're not, we're glad that you're here. You're very, very welcome here. And, and so we'd we love to get a chance to meet you or talk to you after the service. But our lives are meant to be lived out in light of the gospel, reflecting the grace of God by which he says we have been called. We are to reflect the gift of salvation given to us by God. We are to live reflecting the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Maybe, as we've tried to say, always not so gingerly the past few weeks, maybe some of the long faces need to go away. We win. Our team wins. It may feel like we're losing now, but we're not losing. We are going to win, and we are going to win big time. And, and, and so, yes, that doesn't mean there, are, there aren't difficulties in life, but we can't live our lives obsessed with our difficulties. We want to live our lives obsessed with our Savior, who's there with us in our difficulties. We have, because of we have been called and we have the gift of salvation, we've talked about we have the indwelling love of God living within us. We have the indwelling Spirit, Holy Spirit living within us. We have His power living within us. All of this points to what? Changed lives that are to be lived out. People should actually see that, that we are different because of our faith. And if that's not happening, then we need to yield ourselves to the Spirit of God and pray that it starts happening again. That's what the term to walk worthy points to. It points to doing good works which arise out of the grace of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now this is, and we'll discover more of this as we go through this, this letter to the Ephesian church, and the, and the church is probably in the area, this is an identity issue. The Apostle Paul is reminding us, when he gives us this challenge here, he beseeches us to walk worthy of the calling to which we have been called. He is, he's telling us, remember who you are. Do not forget who you are. 
you are, remember chapter 1, you are an adopted son or daughter of the king. You have been chosen. You have been elected. God could have, God could have picked somebody else, but he didn't. He picked us. Motley crew that we are, right? And so, and so he's saying, don't lose your identity. Sin often is an identity crisis. Don't lose your identity. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget who you represent to the world and to other Christians as we live out our lives. So how, how do we walk? How do we live out our calling? What does it look like? Well, he's going to tell us here in verse 2, and it actually has a lot of similarity to the fruit of the Spirit that we studied in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. So let me read verse uh, 2 and 3, and then I'll go back through it again slowly. He says, With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So he says, with all loneliness, some of your versions say, with all humility, a very, very negative word in the ancient world. That was the world in some, in some parts of our culture too. That's like, that's like loser language. No, we don't live as, hum- we're not humble. This is the Roman Empire. We're the conquerors. And so, but in Christian terms, it is, it is an anti-pride expression of Christ's likeness. It is, it is living for the benefit of others. It is not always having to have your way. And he says, and gentleness with long suffering. Some of your versions say gentleness with forbearance or, or patience. Um, like, like Jesus, a reluctance to fight back when you are wrong. When you are wronged, I'm sorry. So like they're, they're spitting at him on the cross. They're, they're wagging their fingers at him. They're saying, you know, he saved others but he can't save himself. And well, if he saved himself, he couldn't save us. And they're saying, come down from that cross if you are the son of God. And and Jesus didn't call down the legions of angels. Because why? Because he was was long-suffering. God is so long-suffering with us. Bearing with one another in love. Let's just call it what it is. Putting up with people who annoy you. (laughs) That's what it is. You're annoyed, you're cranky, and he says, I want you gotta put up with that. Verse three, endeavoring. What is an endeavor? It's something you do. You say, I'm going into a new endeavor. It's gonna be something that you do. Some of your versions put it this way, a little bit more simple. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. Let's just stop there and think about what he just said. He didn't say produce the unity of the Spirit. He said keep the unity of the Spirit. So Christ's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the God, the Holy Spirit, has already produced unity. We are supposed to make an effort at keeping that unity. Now we're going to talk, we have to talk about this more as we go along but I really want us to understand this. He's telling us to do this. And, and he says, in the bond of peace. 
So here we, we see as he's writing to a church, and that's why a lot of people constantly are like, oh, I don't think I need to be part of a church. But the church is the training ground for, for living out the Christian life. If you will, the church is the launch pad for living the Christian life. And you notice the Apostle Paul allows for no excuses. Now, obviously, if someone is bedridden or, or something like that, that's a, that's a different story. Then we need to bring the church to them. But, but he's saying that the time is now. This is, stop, stop dilly-dallying. Time is going quickly. Let, let's get to it. We, 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 are to, we are to live this way. Our, our walk, our life is important. Why? Because we are supposed to not only be the followers of Jesus, we're supposed to look like the followers of Jesus. Now, here's the truth that we have to tell a lot of our friends, and you're not going to make a lot of friends for saying this. You can't do this without being part of a church. You just can't. He's telling us how to live in the church. People say, well, I don't like the church because there's just problems. Well, yeah. <laughs> there's sinful people in the church. And, and, and that's why he says, if you said to the Apostle Paul, I didn't go to church because, because there was problems in it. And he said, I told you to make every effort. Why do you think I said that? Because I thought everything would be perfect? Because I knew that wouldn't, it wouldn't be perfect. So this is a new model for living out life. In its most basic and its most difficult sense, he's saying, we are to live like Jesus. Now, now we need this power of the Spirit to do that. That is always assumed, and we'll talk about the Holy Spirit as we go along, but it's to be humble. That means we need, to, we need to toss aside our entitlement in the church. That means we need to stop expecting others to serve us, but we should be looking to serve others. Now, here's the sad truth about the United States of America. I love this country. I still believe it's the best country on God's green earth. But we are raised here to be self-promoting, attention-seeking, only think of ourselves, brats and consumers. We are. We expect to be treated like a customer everywhere we go. We're expecting people to give us good service everywhere we go. And, and the Apostle Paul is saying, you don't do that in the church. You don't come to be served. You are like Jesus. You don't come to be served, but you come to serve. Uh, to paraphrase C.S. Lewis from Mere Christianity, he said that humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. So you're not like walking around like, oh, I'm so humble. No, you're not. You're proud. Nobody talks like that. <laughs> but you're not, you're, not, you're, not, you're not thinking less of yourself. You're a child of the king. That's something to be happy about. Everybody smile right now. That's something to be happy about. A little better on this side than that side. <laughs> but we're not thinking about ourselves all of the time. To be gentle is to be kind and not rough. To promote peace rather than strife. To be self-controlled. Gentleness is a form of empathetic compassion. Something that very, very few people in Western culture are good at. I mean, we really need the Spirit of God 
for that. Somebody somebody tells you something bad and you're like, oh, well, if you think that's bad, you should hear what happened to me. You're like, very helpful, very, very helpful. To be long-suffering is to be patient with the faults of others. It is to be slow to rebuke. Remember Peter last Sunday? Last Sunday? He was not long-suffering with, with his opinion of Jesus. Doesn't mean we don't reprimand, but we reprimand appropriately. That's it for today with pastor and Bible teacher Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We hope and pray that Pastor Jim's simple and passionate verse-by-verse, line-by-line teaching through the Word of God is bringing growth to your Christian faith. Now that you've heard from us, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know how we can pray for you, answer any questions you may have, and let us know how Change by Love has helped you. Perhaps you want someone to explain to you how to have your sins forgiven, how you can go to heaven, and how you can get started or restarted in your faith. Maybe you're looking for a good Bible-teaching church in your area, or maybe you just need someone to talk to. Remember, friends, we are here to serve you and to help you, so that someday the Lord will use you to serve and help others. That's the way the kingdom of God works, and we're thrilled to participate with you in the adventure. There are many ways to contact Pastor Jim and the team here at Change by Love. All of our contact information is on our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. Once again, that's changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you would like to bless us by writing us a card or a letter. Our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Please join us next time on this same station. Until then, stay close to Jesus, and we know that you too will be changed by His love.